last week, if you were here with us, we had um, a series that we started. It was I Heart Jesus, and it was a two-part message, and um, two-part for a couple of reasons. One, I, I couldn't communicate everything I wanted to communicate last week, and I knew that would be the case, and I knew I'd be a little more limited today um, just because of time constraints and everything, And uh, but at... Um, it's not a traditional Christmas message, right? We look at the Christmas season and, and we talk about the birth of Jesus and, and, and we, we get so distracted. Now, we talked about that last week, just the commercialization of different things and, and they begin to have our hearts and there's nothing wrong with it, right? We do, I, I love a Christmas tree and I love Christmas stories and I love the, the, the fire and, and all of the, the atmosphere that the holiday brings. Um, there, there is something um, that, that's, that's almost magical about it. And it's really easy to get caught up in it. It's really easy to get caught up in the gifts and the things like that. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. If that's what you participate in, that's what you do, we do. And it's beautiful. But, but the problem becomes when, when that becomes the focus, when, when those are the things that, that have our heart, when we're more concerned uh, about gifts and trees than the presence of God, right? When we're more concerned about um, the Christmas movies than, than the actual story and meaning behind the birth of Jesus and what has taken place. And so um, we want to continue just to talk about that. And, and last week, we talked about the gift, right? The, the real Christmas gift. And, and we see it prophesied. Said, uh, prophesied in Isaiah, right, and, and that we, this child would be born to us and the government would rest on his shoulders. He would be mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting, everlasting father and prince of peace, and, but he would be the Messiah, and, and we look forward to that, and with that, he ushered in salvation. And last week, we talked about, because of what he's done, that we get to be saved, that we have the opportunity, an opportunity that absence of Jesus we wouldn't have. And I don't know about you, but that's more than reason enough for me to give my heart to him and my, my personal story. For so long, I was so far from God. And I ran from these things. And, you know, as a Midwesterner, we, we grew up hearing about God. It, it's hard to escape. And there's a, a church you can drive out in the middle of a cow field. And I, I promise you, you'll, you'll run into a little Baptist church somewhere out there, right? And, and so we hear these things, and it becomes white noise. And, and we declare ourselves believers because this is where we were born or because our grandma or grandpa was or, or whatever. But it's not until we have that encounter, right, with the, the living, breathing Messiah, Jesus, that, that we understand and accept and receive the gift. And that's what last week's message was about. But this week, I want to talk about the why. That, that Jesus saved you for purpose. He saved you for a reason. That, that the Christmas gift was so much more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. It was so much more than just our salvation. It was... It's about bringing honor and glory to God and, and the things that he's done. And, and so we want to look at that for just a little bit tonight. And so as we open up, we're going to open up in Romans 5 again. Now, if, if you've listened to me in my last two messages, you'll be like, again? Because last Monday, we were at the beginning of Romans 5. If you were here on Sunday yesterday, you know where we were? Romans 5. That's where we kicked off. You know where we're going to be again tonight? Romans 5. And it's not because I'm lazy. It's because there's so much there. There's so much there. And so Romans 5, starting in verse 6 tonight, it says this, when we were utterly helpless, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And I preached on that yesterday. It's just that moment of, of darkness and despair. 
when we don't see a path forward, when we don't see a way out, at just the right time, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God, say but God. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I love that. Because when we look at the prophecy of Jesus, when we look at the meaning behind Christmas, the beauty of it is God wasn't surprised by the things that you did wrong. You didn't show up on the scene and Jesus is like, ah, crap, I didn't didn't realize that that Aaron was going to be that messed up. No. He wasn't surprised that, that I arrived at that moment of despair and desperation in the middle of sin, right? He expected it. And he knew it because absent of God, that's the only place we can be, is depraved and far from him. But while we're in the middle of it, not good enough, not deserving, while we're in need, he shows up. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And I love that because that utterly helpless moment, those moments of darkness are filled with nothing but condemnation, nothing but shame and nothing but guilt. But, but God doesn't see that. God says, push past that. And he says, for since our friendship, say friendship, our friendship with God was restored, was restored. We're God's creation, created for his glory. But as we see in Genesis, man fell, right? They rejected the things of God. Adam and Eve were full of pride and they wanted to be like God. And they said, I I know what you've said, but I'm going to choose differently. And in that moment, sin entered our world. And and what happened is we, we became opposing to the things of God in opposition Our friendship was destroyed. And though we were God's creation, God never stopped loving us, but we rejected the things of God. And because God is good, God is just, God is love, he could have no sin in him. But it says our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were his enemies. I don't know about you, but... In addiction, I've, I've been on the opposing side of, of different conflicts and different situations. And even outside of addiction, things get pretty hairy sometimes with people, right? People are broken. It is so hard to extend grace to somebody who's wounded me, who's rejected me. I couldn't imagine being God and having something I created saying, I know better than you. Right? I've had my kids be in opposition to me on things. And even in that, it breaks my heart to such a point. But the rejection that we presented God with was so much more grave, so much more intense. But even in that, even in that, he restored us while we were his enemies. 
before any of us had the opportunity, the awareness or the desire to say, God, forgive me, God had forgiven us. Before any of us sought to choose him, he chose us. Before any of us asked for his help, he was present, moving in our lives while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And so when we talk about Jesus having in our heart, right, the love that we should have for him, we need to know that Jesus saved us for friendship with God. That that's what he's called us to. And the beautiful thing about that is as we've rejected God, as we've lived in sin, as we've ran from him, we get to a place where we're too ashamed to call on him. We, we mess up and we run and hide from him. But what I want you to know is we were saved for friendship with God. While you were a sinner, right? Because we still are. While you were messing up, because we still do. And that means even in the middle of all of our mistakes, all of our shortcomings, be reminded that Jesus showed up, that he presented himself as a sacrifice for us so that we could have a friendship with God, so we could be close to him, have a conversation with him, share our, our, our deepest desires, our deepest wounds, our deepest hurts, our deepest failures. And even in those moments, not find rejection, but find the embrace of a loving father and a good friend. Jesus saved us for friendship with God. Romans 5.11 says this, so now, say so now. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. What a beautiful thing that broken people such of us could be called friends of God. The people far from him could be called friends of God. Jesus saved us for friendship with God. I want you to do this. You're in Romans. I want you to turn to Ephesians. Romans was written by Paul. Ephesians was written by Paul as well. It was written to the church of Ephesus. And um, if you... If you do not have uh, the Bible, we, we should have the notes on the YouVersion Bible app for you to, to look through there. Um, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And I want to pause right there. And it's just another reminder that that's while you're a sinner. God saved you by, by what? Grace. Let's try that again. God saved you by what? grace. Now, the beautiful thing about that is it's not works, right? That, that means it's not something you earned. It's God's grace. God's grace is beautiful because if you're anything like me, um, you showed up in the presence of God, three sheets to the wind, right? Just messed up in a mess. And that's a beautiful thing for me. And maybe that's not your story, but that was mine because, man, it, when you show up and you're such a broken mess, there's nothing you can do to earn God's grace, if you could, it wouldn't be grace, right? Grace is that unmerited, unwarranted favor, the favor of God where he moves in spite of your failures. This is God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift. Say it's a gift. It's a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. At some time, you probably met a broken person who called themselves a Christian and tried to convince you how great they were, right? We've, we've all encountered that. Um, but the beauty of Scripture is it reveals truth. And the, the truth is, what God wants us to know is there's not one single person out there that was good enough for salvation. I mean, God's word tells us that we were all sinners, that we all are sinners, that we all fall short of God's glorious standard, that, that, that every single one of us were in equal need of Jesus Christ. And I love that. What a beautiful truth. That, that means we all start from the same exact place in God's eyes. None of us are any further from God than the other one before salvation, right? We're all equal. And, and this is a gift, a gift, right? When we look at the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus, it's a gift. And when we look at his life, it was a gift. And when we look at his death, it was a gift. And it was all designed to bring about salvation so that we would glorify God. He says, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift. He goes on and he says, for we are God's masterpiece. I want you to say this. Say, I'm a masterpiece. I love this. This is probably one of my favorite passages. Every time I come across this, I just love it because I just want to like go to people who, who used to look down on me and say, man, I'm God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece, right? And I, I got to remind myself of this sometimes because sometimes I let the world convince me, right, that, that I am not good enough for God's love. Now, that's kind of a twofold thing because I'm not, but I got it anyways because that's grace and grace brought me to the place of I'm God's masterpiece, right? That when I receive it, God does an unwarranted work in my life. And he does an unwarranted work in your life, right? He makes this new. He makes this right. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. And he says, for we are God's masterpiece. And the next time you're feeling down, the next time you're struggling, the next time somebody close to you wounds you, hurts you, just turn to this. Remind yourself I'm God's masterpiece. I'm God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. That's the work of the cross. That's the gift. I mean, what a, what a reason to give our hearts to Jesus if I've ever heard one. Right? We didn't have to do anything. We just had to receive something we couldn't earn. Not a single one of us, but, but he shows up and he says, Aaron, listen, buddy, man, I, I know. I know what you've been going through. I know where you're at and, and, and I want you to take this. And then as I receive it, he, he changes this, the broken, stony, cold, messed up heart. And he makes it new, transforms us from the inside out. And it doesn't say you will be his masterpiece, but it declares it to be so. From the moment of salvation, God sees nothing but Jesus in you. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see past sin or mistakes. He sees the righteousness of his son in you and in me, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, say so. So, and I, I love this next part. Don't miss it, church. So we can do the good things. Say good things. 
the good things he planned for us long ago. Not so you could take the light and hide it. Not so you could run and sit in the back pew. And if you're on the back pew right now, I'm calling you guys out. Not so you could sit back there, right? But, but so you could be his masterpiece. So you could do the good work he's called you to. I know me before Christ, man, I was so selfish and so self-centered. And, and, and honestly, I still can be, right? I mean, I'm still a work in progress. But the thought of serving people around me never really dawned on me. I, that wasn't something that, that you did, right? <laughs> and, and maybe you did it. I don't know. I didn't. It was all about me. What can I leverage for me? How can I get ahead, climb the ladder? What, what can I, whose throat can I cut so I have success today and there's food on my table? I mean, that was my mentality. But, but God met me in the brokenness. He created me anew. And he says, I've called you to something better. I've called you to good work. He's called you to good work, right? Created us anew so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Point number two is this. Jesus saved us for good works. Not to be spectators. Not just to ride it out to the end, knowing we got the, the get out of hell free card or whatever it may be that you're, you're seeking in all of this. But so that you can engage in the work of God. So you can get your hands dirty for the good work. Right, so your, your feet, man, can hit the pavement to spread the good news, right? Did that, so you could do the good things of God and created you anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I love that last part too. When did he plan for us? Long ago. Well, you mean to tell me that I didn't get saved and God's like, oh crap, I gotta come up with something for him to do? No, that's the beautiful thing. God has a plan for you. He's had it for a while. The only thing holding it up is you. And you may be sitting out there tonight and in that season of life thinking, man, I just, I just don't know. Wish God would move. And he's like, get off the couch. Right? Get engaged. I've had it on the books for a long time. I've been waiting for you for a while. Answer the call. Answer the call, right? The good work he planned for us long ago. Paul said this in Galatians, starting in 6, 8. He says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. If you don't like where you're at, evaluate why you're there. What, what are you seeking? Has it been to, to satisfy your own needs? And I get, you know, we, we need to make a living and, and we need to work. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But, but what are your heart motives? What's the, the primary reason for being? And what's your primary drive? Is it all about you? Or is it all about him? 
right? Aren't we called to be about our father's business? He goes on and he says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. And I've been there. You know, I, I gave up things to, to, to become a pastor. Um, believe it or not, there were better paying jobs out there for me. Um, this was not at the top of the list as far as income goes. And, and there's been times where I grow weary. And I just like want to know, like, God, you know I have bills to pay, right? You brought me six children. You've seen the cost of food, haven't you, Lord? And there's times I grow tired. It, there's times... This may, this may shock you, that I make investments on, in people's lives. I set things aside. I sacrifice time with my family, and people are ungrateful. I know, shock, right? I, I, I'm certain you guys have never encountered that, right? That you've been good to somebody, and they just gave you the big old middle finger, right? And you're just like, do they know, right? But, but God reminds us. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. Well, what's good? The work that God called us to a long time ago, right? That's what it is. It's not for us, it's for him. He said it before us a long time ago. He saved us for the good work. Let's not get tired of doing God's will. And he says it just the right time. Say just the right time. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. Everyone includes the ex. Right? Baby mama, baby daddy, you got to be good to them. Everyone includes the crappy customer service person at Walmart. Right? Or, or at Lowe's if you were here Sunday, right? Everybody includes the person that won't get out of the fast lane that you swear you're going to run off the road if they don't get up to the speed limit, right? It's, it's everyone, everyone. All right, and, and you've got your own list. You can kind of see where my frustrations lie. Yours are probably completely different, right? But it's, but it's everyone. We should do good to everyone. God planned it a long time ago. Opportunities, that's what those are. People are opportunities for us to be the hands and feet of God, to share his goodness, to love on him, to minister him. It says, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. So point number two was Jesus saved us for good works. I want you to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3, we're gonna be in verse 13. And it says this, it says, now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? And to which you might say, there's plenty of people. The list is long. <laughs> but truth of the matter is, a lot of times people have a harder time being against us when we're serving them. But Peter's got you. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for doing it. You know what that reveals? It was never actually about you. It was about him, Right? That, that's our motivation. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, say instead. Instead, you must worship 
Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Worship God and be prepared to share the reason, right? The reason you're good to people who don't deserve it. The reason your life has changed and people question it, right? The reason you're joyful in difficult times. The reason you have peace when everything's uncertain. Always be prepared to share your hope as a believer. And point number three was this. Jesus saved us so we would share our hope, right? We, we bring glory and honor to God and we share the good news. We spread the gospel, we invite people. We share God's goodness. Even when it's difficult. Even when it's hard. Why? Because of all the good things he's done for you. He's moved. When nothing else was capable of moving. He delivered you. When nothing else was capable of delivering you. He did a work in you. That's beyond explanation. He made us friends with God in spite of our sin. In fact, in the middle of it, restored all of that, prepared good things for us. The least we can do is be prepared to share our hope in Jesus with those around us. Again, point number three, Jesus saved us to share our hope. I want you to do this. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to spend a moment with God. And, and again, as we're, we're talking about God having our heart, I want you to ask yourself where you're at tonight. Are, are you closed off? Have you rejected the things of God? If so, are you ready to receive him tonight? Are you ready to to be renewed, to be restored, to experience his spirit in a profound way. Just begin to spend a moment with him and ask him to reveal where you're at tonight. God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die for us so we could be saved and delivered from our sin, from our rejection of you. Thank you for offering us a way out. Thank you for offering us a way to be restored, to be friends with you. Lord, and we pray that you would awaken each of us to your plan, to your purpose. God, the meaning <laughs> behind, behind our salvation. Lord, awaken us to the good work you've called us to. And God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to pursue you, to follow you, 
and to love you. And we thank you for this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what's the application, right? We should not just be uh, hearers of God's word. We should be doers of God's word, right? And so our first step is this, same as last week. We want you to accept God's free gift to salvation through Jesus Christ. It's where we recognize our need for him, that we can't save ourselves, that, that we need a savior and that he's the only way, right? Jesus is the only way. So we realize that we need him. We, we ask for forgiveness and we make him Lord, authority over our lives. And so if you want to do that tonight, we'll have an opportunity here just a little bit. Number two, submit your flesh to his authority and allow yourself to be freed from the power of sin. Submit to him. Say, God, move. Move in my life and, and experience his freedom. And number three, pursue his will and meditate on the word, allowing God to transform you into a new person inside and out. Man, don't, don't stop at salvation. That, that's the door. It's not the destination. Keep moving forward in the things of God. If you're in here tonight, everything we've talked about, it centers around that relationship with him. Right again, it's, it's the doorway where we encounter all that God has for us. And so if you're in here tonight and you're ready, that he stands at the door and knocks, right? If you're ready to open the door and receive the gift, here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can receive the greatest gift, right? The Christmas gift. So you can receive Jesus as your savior. If that's you again, we would love to pray with you and for you to lead you in a prayer. In just a moment, we'll have some people down here at the front. Number two, maybe you've done that. You've messed up, you've gotten off track. Maybe it's your first time back here in a long time, right? And you're just at your wit's end and, and you want to know, can, can I recommit? Can I, can I try again? Absolutely. If that's you, our same offer stands here in just a moment. We're going to have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you. So you're going to recommit tonight. Number three, maybe God's just been pressing on you about something. Saying, man, that, that addiction... You need to let go of that. that. That thought, that's not of me, that's the enemy. You need to let go of that. Whatever it may be, between you and God, if there's something you need to let go of and lay it at his feet, we've got some white chips up here. There's nothing special about them. It's a piece of plastic. But when we step out of our seat and we put our faith and our trust in God, knowing that, that if we move, he's gonna move, I think God honors that. And so if that's you tonight and you're ready to let go of something, I encourage you here in just a moment to step out of your seat and to come down here and to get one of these chips. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Something going on, maybe something to celebrate, but you just want somebody to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. So for any of those things, give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit to pick up a chip or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.